Welcome to Your Highness Podcast, a show where we get comfortable with the uncomfortable, uncover areas of cannabis where accessibility and inclusiveness are lacking, and elevate conversations about ways to affect real change in this space with a specific focus on folks who identify as women. Listening to Your Highness Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Crash, and today I'm joined by Catherine Radovan, the VP of Business Development and Strategy for Terra Vera. How are you doing today, Catherine? Hi, Diana. I'm doing well today. Thanks again for having me here. Anytime. Um, because we're about to go into a topic that we really never discuss here, and I'm very excited about that. But before we start, um, we're going to begin, as we do with every episode, um, our segment that is recurring, and that is called Fave Pot, Fave Not Pot, where we each discuss our favorite cannabis-related item, movie, movement, book, whatever, um, and non-cannabis-related item at the moment. So I'll start with my Fave Pot right now. Um, I've been using this product for a long time, and my sciatic nerve has been on fire. I don't know what happened. I pinched it or I did something, but um, I always lean on this product. So I figured I'd mention it. It's Dr. Solomon's CBD rich valve, rich valve salve. <laughs> it's a CBD rich salve. It's a five to one, um, five CBD to one THC. And it's, it has like a roller ball, you know, so you can just kind of roll it on your back without making a mess. And um, I love it. So yeah, that's my fave pot right now. What's your fave pot, Catherine? Uh, I will say I am not really a, the biggest uh, smoker when right. it comes to cannabis. I've tried it and I know a lot of my friends love it, but I actually really like gummies, which I know a lot of people are terrified of using, but Wana gummies in particular, mm -hmm. um, they're great. I just found like they were not only delicious and I have a big sweet tooth, but just the consistency. And, uh, you know, I have probably purchased it a couple of times over the years and every single time it's just been a pleasant experience. And I, I like you, I, I like to relax. So I typically do a ratio that's higher in CBD and just takes the edge off, especially like when, when I go skiing in Colorado, it's just a really nice way to wind down the day. Nice. That sounds really nice. <laughs> I'll take that right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love the Wana uh, gummies. They're great. Um, and and I, I'm actually having a lot of success with gummies lately. So I suggest if you're weary, do some research because gummies are uh, where it's at when it comes to trying to microdose. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so my fave not pot right now is this book that's taking me forever to read because, you know, lack of free time and all of that. But <laughs> it's, um, it's called Emotional Intelligence. It's by Daniel Goleman. And he's also the author of Social Intelligence, which I have not read yet. But it's about how your emotional intelligence can matter more than IQ. And it just like redefines the meaning of smart, which is ableist in nature anyway. So um, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool book, man. That's my review. <laughs> no, <laughs> there's, it's, 
it's a really great book because it talks about how being um, having a strong emotional intelligence is actually really important with your everyday, you know, dealings and also with business. And people don't realize how much it plays into business success, if that's your concern. So I recommend it highly. That sounds like a great read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is it has a lot of information in it so it's taking me a while because I'll go back and reread certain passages um but it's very interesting and and he has a lot of reference points too so it's um very well researched I would say anyway so what's your fave not pot right now well <laughs> As I mentioned, I'm expecting my first child, and so everything has been terra vera, and then also preparing for the newest member of our family, and I think my favorite non-pot item right now is this product called the Tummy Shield. I don't know if you had to use this, but I live in Miami, and as you can imagine, driving in like a 35-mile-per-hour zone is actually driving like a NASCAR race. And I used to live in South Florida. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't, you know, I I bought it because, you know, you start to go bigger and things start to get more uncomfortable. But, you know, I never really thought of this as a precautionary measure, but getting into a car is not a safe thing. Um, And so when I got it, it's something that's actually developed in Australia and it, it's been a lifesaver for many women that have gotten into car accidents and they're, they're accidents, right? Like you just never know. Um, knock on wood, I've never gotten one myself, but you know, I, I just, it, it's an amazing like piece of equipment and it, That's awesome. it, it honestly just takes my stress level down from 11 to maybe a Maybe an eight. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. But uh, yeah, that's like my favorite new item. I, I, you know what the saddest part is like a lot of my friends or pregnant women I've met haven't even heard of it. Or I know my friend just delivered and she was like, oh, I wish I had that. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, I mean, there's that is one cool thing about when I was pregnant, I, I found out so many innovative things that are coming into the marketplace for pregnant women. And, you know, if only we could match the healthcare <laughs> to, to those innovations. <laughs> if only we could have the uh, postnatal care and all of that <laughs> match that level of, um, but anyway, <laughs> but you know all about innovative tech, right? Because yes. uh, you're working with TerraVera or for TerraVera. I don't know how you want to word that, but you, you know about it and, and you've been around and we're going to talk more about your experience, but um, there are a lot of things that the general public doesn't know about lab reports. I recently wrote about this just a little bit. You know, I, I just dipped my toe, so to speak, into this pool of finding out about lab analysis. There's so much that like the general public doesn't understand with state limits changing, pass or fail methods, not measuring the number of heavy metals or pesticides um, and many other elements remaining unclear consumers aren't getting the complete picture. Um, So to start, can you explain why the general public should have an understanding of pesticide use in cannabis cultivation? I mean, absolutely. Um, You just take it from your everyday schedule, right? Everybody goes to a grocery store at some point, or maybe nowadays you order online, but um, you 
I think people should look at cannabis the way they would look at a strawberry, really. And, and you know, I, I, I think we'll, we'll eventually get there. But right now, because cannabis, for all intents and purposes, is still actually difficult to get in, in certain states legally, um, people just want to get their hands on cannabis. They're not even thinking about how... Well, they are thinking about the potency, but they're not thinking about how the, the sausage is made and right. how that plant's actually grown. I think people actually forget that cannabis is a plant a lot of the times. And yeah. I've had the benefit of actually been been to many, many cultivations, both large and small. And it is actually eye-opening each time when you just see these seas of green. Um, because when you, you think of cannabis, you think of a gummy or you think of its dried form in a bowl, but you don't actually think of it as something that was like a, a little clone or a seed that sprouted into a plant that got harvested as with any sort of crop that you would see in a supermarket. Mm-hmm. So I think just getting past that mental block that cannabis is actually a plant that's grown. Um, it's also susceptible to the same diseases you would think of for coffee or wine. Um, and that's just something, again, I, I grew an appreciation for that, having spoken to a lot of growers, as a lot of these folks have horticultural backgrounds and different crops. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, cannabis is really, really resilient. Sure. <laughs> but if you ask any grower as to what genetics in their garden, they could tell you, uh, you know, it's this, but there's still no way to actually trace those genetics. And I'm sure you know that, that people have crossed so many breeds and you know, things have been taken over state lines and you could call something blue diesel in one state, you go to the state like next door and it, you know, genetically is probably a little different. Um, so just like those inconsistencies, I mean, people, people just aren't aware of how sophisticated cannabis is and um, actually how sophisticated the process of growing cannabis has, has become. And right now, once you get over the accessibility part, I think people need to be thinking, okay, how did this little piece of flour actually get grown and what was done in the process? And I just, like I said, there's so many, so many operators out there, Uh, very few brand names, like as much as I, you know, you and I probably are at the forefront of speaking to people in the industry, but if you ask your average consumer, they're not really aware of the biggest brand names. Most people don't know what a multi-state operator is. So you're not getting the same brand recognition as you would, um, you know, like regular way beverages like Coca-Cola or even beers for that matter. Um, so it's just not on people's minds. That That's kind of in a nutshell is that we're still kind of coming off of the black market mentality and, you know, that this is actually something that people are using more regularly rather than as something that, should be seen as illicit. And once we kind of get over that mentality, I think people start paying attention to the quality um, right. of their, their cannabis, which again, it's something I didn't have an appreciation for until I got into the industry in 2015. And then even more so having left kind of the the operator side of cannabis to a provider, a service provider in, in what is now Terravera. Right. I mean, what you pointed out is so relevant, um, the accessibility side, you know, we're also focused on the accessibility of our medicine that, you know, the rest of it seems like, well, do we really have to worry about it? It's a plant. It's natural. You know, I've heard these things and yeah. I might have thought them in some way. 
in the past. But when you really think about it, like you said, a strawberry, right? Like my one friend is very concerned with, um, well, everyone should be right. But she, she has one of those pesticide scanners, right? And she will do these videos where she'll scan the organic strawberries and they're off the charts with pesticides. It's like, people don't realize there are so many different elements that go into it. Like all the way down to what the lab technicians are wearing and how those clothes are, are sanitized. I mean, this all is relevant to what you're putting into your body, you know? And um, while there are a lot of other unknowns that, that can affect these things, <laughs> we have to be a little bit more vigilant about understanding the process. Like you said, the sausage being made, we have to understand that more. And, um, talking to you is, is a definite way to do that. This is only just like a scratching the surface type of episode because <laughs> there is so much to talk about. And um, luckily you're making it accessible to us to use that word again. I mean, and that is really important. So um, can you talk about cultivation compliance when expanding into new states and what that means for lab reports? Because that was one of the biggest eye openers for me when I was doing research. Um, sure. I mean, the short answer is because of the decentralization regulations across the various legal markets, I mean, cultivation compliance is disjointed. Uh, I mentioned multi-state operators. Right. Yeah. And, you know, those the, some of these folks operate in 20 plus states and they may use the same lab for five of those states. But I will assure you, <laughs> those lab reports probably look so different, right? Mainly yeah. because they're they're driven by the state regulations, and you're probably aware of this. There are some states that are super lax and don't actually require much to get product on the shelf, right? Like a pass got, or fail type of yeah, thing. Yeah, you got pass or fail, or the thresholds are really really high, so most people pass. Or, I mean, the worst case scenario, they just don't have great labs that have the sophistication to test on the level that any consumer would want their product to be tested. Uh, and then you have the opposite. You have the Massachusetts or the Californians of the world where it's super strict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you, you, if you're an operator there, it's very difficult to, let's just say, put product on the shelf or do so in a way that may, like you, you can maintain your profitability. And, and so it's like two, like very, very, fine-tuning balance act between making sure you get good, safe product to the consumers, but also not driving these operators out of business, correct? Like, right. it is tough sometimes to grow clean cannabis. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's the other yeah. side of it, you know? It's like, but, I mean, there may, some of these companies definitely can afford to put the... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not broad stroke it, but for some of the smaller, you know, um, operators, it's it's definitely a struggle. Absolutely. If, you know, you work with an operator, and I'll take Oregon as an example, because mm-hmm. there are still a lot of boutique operators there. There are more mom and pop shops that want to provide... Um, high quality, very select products to their consumers. If they have a crop failure because, let's just say, a staff, a new staff member didn't know the pro- protocol, and they lose a third of their crop to a testing failure, that's really detrimental to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the types of of folks that you know we're thinking about. I mean, we we look at the multi state operators, but to your point, 
they've got a lot of budget bandwidth, but it's more of like these, I would call them under 30,000 square feet growth facilities where mm-hmm. a testing failure could really damage um, the livelihood of these businesses. And as you can imagine, it's just become more competitive as these other operators have grown in size. They're, they're now like these smaller operators are facing price compression um, because there's just a a lot of supply now. If you're not in a limited license market, you're now one of many. Um, It's become a green rush. And so we're we're seeing that if you could get to market with high quality, consistent product, you have an edge. But again, um, any good grower will tell you all it takes is for one person to not follow protocol, to take a very clean environment and actually have a systemic issue with their grow, that it takes multiple harvests to eradicate, if that. Some people never actually tackle the problem. Wow. That is just, I mean, that's mind-blowing, really. I mean, because it's just their their whole life, you know? So talk about how TerraVera plays a part in pesticide-free cannabis. Well, as you can imagine, um, myself and members of the TerraVera team were intimately dealt with these challenges of growing clean and safe cannabis. Mm-hmm. Uh, our CTO also worked in highly regulated markets, in particular water treatment. And so I believe TerraVera uniquely understands what both an executive and a grower's um, you know, challenges will be on a day-to-day. And that allows us to Um, really attack the problem at hand. I will tell you, executives want to make sure good products get to the market because, as you can imagine, building a brand is very difficult, but it's very easy to tarnish once you have a testing failure. For growers, same thing. They take a lot of pride in their grow and what they put out into the market. And, you know, one bad testing failure could really, you know, mean the end of a career for some, which is really unfortunate. It, there are a lot of jobs where you can actually have a lot of do-overs. I think growers in that regard have a tough, have a tough sell. Um, yeah. You don't want to ever be responsible for millions of dollars of lost product. Wow. And so because we understand kind of this conundrum of how do you how do you balance between doing the right thing, putting out good, clean product, but also, um, you know, maintaining the bottom line? I I think we kind of had that solution. And our, our biggest sell right now is that our technology is, is all natural. It's, an, it, it's something that our bodies do naturally every single day. Let's say you get a cut, for instance. I mean, our bodies are naturally programmed to have an immune response to fight that infection. We create an an antimicrobial within our bodies, once the infection is fought, that same antimicrobial will go back to being just, you know, benign products in your body. Um, So your your body doesn't get to attack, it's just the infection. Mm -hmm. Similar thing with our system. It's a system designed to pretty much mimic that process, take all natural ingredients, combine it with water, electricity, and, and then... You have this very potent, effective antimicrobial that's safe on live tissue. Wow. And that's kind of our selling point is a lot of these pesticides that 
people are using, they're not really that safe for, for plants. They're really, really strong. And that was kind of our conundrum when developing this technology was it's very, very easy to kill off a pathogen, but it's very, very difficult to not kill off everything in the process. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of what our team look to develop, which was how do we create something that's effective at attacking, you know, a cannabis grower's biggest threats, powder mildew, botrytis, aspergillus, but also keeping the plants safe and also the the actual staff. I mean, I don't know if you've ever stepped into a grow, but the last thing you want to see are, are people with respirators or, you know, a, a warning that you can't go back into a grow room after 24 hours. Right. Um, it, it's actually unsettling. Um, and I can only imagine as a staff member, like, what are you walking back into after a, a room was fogged with a chemical? So that's kind of what we're, we're trying to do is not just think of problems and isolation, but it, it everything is connected. We, I mean, our, our, our goal is to provide a solution that is not only safe so that you can have healthier plants, but we're really thinking of the bigger picture of, of people on the planet. Um, I hate to say it, but the cannabis industry is not the best for the climate right now, I think, um, especially with indoor grows. There's a lot of electricity use, water usage, and I know nowadays a lot of operators are leaning towards more sustainable practices like reclaiming their water, but I still don't think people have tackled this pesticide issue and where those pesticides actually run off to. And and so that's kind of the beauty of the technology of TerraVera is that once that antimicrobial dries up, it actually becomes a nutrient that the plant can uptake and it's non-detectable and it's naturally occurring. So when that product actually goes to testing, you're not getting heavy metals, you're not getting pesticides, and you're not getting any microbials because that's the purpose of using it. Um, and really what TerraVera is really versatile in is that it can not only be used on live plants, you can use it post-harvest, you can use it on your surfaces and tools. Um, it, it is very, very versatile in that regard. Um, but like I said, it's uh, it's... It's a very potent antimicrobial, but it does have a, a short life in that it degrades back into all natural ingredients. And it, it's just something that we, we view as a more sustainable way of treating plants. And it's not just for remediation. Actually, we prefer people use it as preventative measure, kind of like the way I use my tummy shield. Right. Um, I'm not waiting for the problem to occur to be reactive. I actually would prefer never to have the problem, but I'm armed. Um, right. For instance, in the event that a pathogen breaks out that, you know, I have TerraVera and I've been using TerraVera. That's awesome. And so how can the cannabis community best support you and TerraVera? Like both, both things, you know, and separately, <laughs> both things separately, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, I, I think the biggest thing, and I've seen this in the industry the cannabis industry specifically is there's there's a lot of camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all are part of this cannabis movement, um, and so I think the biggest way to support us would be the way you support the movement in general is you know share our story with your friends in the industry. I we we offer complimentary IPM assessments and demos. We know that no two grows, whether or not they're next door, whether or not they're part of the same family of 
grows. I mean, they're all going to be a little different because <laughs> no two grows were built the same. And I mean, just in a nutshell, we're trying to change the standards in agriculture. So for us, it's, you know, what better way to start with making cannabis safer and more enjoyable for consumers? We really love the people that are in the industry, the consumers. I mean, we're, we're really changing what the next decade is going to look like for medicine. You mentioned that you use it to, to help you. Right. <laughs> and that's kind of what drives uh, the Terravera team is that we all know somebody that's been afflicted with some sort of ailment and in some way, shape or form, cannabis has helped them. Humans, they need it. <laughs> we all have problems, right? <laughs> you know, just, just with like any sort of medicine yeah. or, you know, special food, you want it to be clean. You want it to be safe. You, you don't want the problem to grow worse because that product you thought was safe is actually tainted with mold or something that could actually hurt you even further. And that's kind of the saddest part of, of, of this whole process is that it's more common than you think. And, you know, I just don't think that cannabis businesses have a lot of good options right now, um, not the way other agricultural companies do. And, and that's kind of what Terra is trying to bring to the table is, is give that optionality that to this date, I mean, I haven't seen anything like it. Yeah. I haven't heard of anything like it. And I mean, I don't work in tech, so I don't see anything really like that. But that is amazing. And I can't wait to get a chance to see it in real life and at some point. So um, I really would love to have you come back at any time to talk about this topic further, because it's it's bigger than cannabis. And it's um, something that needs to be ongoing and, you know, much more nuanced. But than we've included today, but I think this is a really great starter conversation. And I think that we touched on some really important points and I'm really very happy that you joined us today. So um, thank you for that, Catherine. And please do come back anytime. Thank you for having me. So until next time, stay high and beautiful. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Your Highness Podcast or on Twitter at Highness Podcast. Be sure to rate us on iTunes and subscribe.